I, um, I got a new Bible, and, uh, and it's also, um, it, it takes the place of um, my dumbbells, and <laughs> it's, uh, I can actually read it without glasses, it's, um, yeah, that's, that's what it is, it's the, it's the ESV version, and, uh, and we are making a transition over this year um, to hopefully next year being our main um, version that we're using. And we're making the transition from the New King James um, for the reason that, of course, the New King James Version has been around so much that, so long that language has has changed. English language, right? Our original Hebrew and Greek, um, which guides us and in, in the translators use, obviously translate into our language. And when they do, uh, they translate it into the language at the time. That's why when you read the old King James, uh, 1611, King James did has the these and thous and actually um, terminology we don't use anymore. Um, though most of my my memory verses have been in the New King James Version and some of the Old King James Version, and so it's hard to make a transition. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that. But um, just letting you know that we'll be doing that. I won't be doing that this this morning. I'm still back in the the, old, the New King James Version. But we're we're looking forward to making that transition the start of the year, and I'll, I'll explain a lot of the reasons as we go along. I, um, a couple of weeks ago, we started doing this short series and uh, calling it uh, Being a Blessing Chaser, Being a Blessing Chaser. We, we, we took a look at Jacob, the story of Jacob who became Israel, and Jacob's story and how he had a lot of failures in his life. He had a lot of um, he had a lot of problems in his life, and uh, he would normally not be kind of when you look at his life. At least most of his life, you would look at so many failures. You would say he would probably not be the example I would want to follow, except for one area in his life that really set him apart. And the reason why, when God is referred to as a God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, instead of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau, it's because Jacob had a passion for the blessing of God in his life. He would pursue that over everything else. And he made, he made a, a lot of sacrifice in order to get there. You know, he, he, was, he risked his life. He risked living in, under a curse in his life. Um, in order to get the blessing. And so when we read that, and we, we studied that a couple of weeks ago, if you weren't there, you might want to go online, go to our website, and, uh, and listen to that. But today I want to talk about returning to the blessing. And you'll understand that as we go a little bit further down the line. And I was, um, uh, there, there's a scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 21. Tw I'm sorry, verse 29, it says, now it shall be when the Lord your God has brought you into the land which you go to possess that you shall put the blessing on Mount Gerizim and the curse on Mount Ebal. The word curse is used in the scripture and, um, and well, as I get a little bit further, I'll explain it, but it's not often talked about. In fact, I've never in my life heard a sermon on the curse, in, the curse in the scripture. And yet the Bible talks about it quite frequently. It talks about the curse. And there's always this connection between the curse and the blessing. And this text tells us, you know, what God did is that as the children of Israel were getting ready to go back, go into the promised land, and they had, you know, it was a, the, kind of the revisiting of what God had commanded them before they go into the promised land after wandering in the desert, um, that um, God told them that they were to go to these two high points in Israel, Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal, and they were to pronounce blessings and cursing. They took half, half the tribes on Ebal and half the tribes on Gerizim, 
and, uh, and they begin, and they were to pronounce these list of blessings we find in Deuteronomy chapter 28. And uh, the list of blessings, quite frankly, are shorter than the list of cursings. So they were, in fact, uh, I think the first 15 verses of that chapter is the, is the blessings. And then from verse 15 to like 64 or so um, is cursings. And so God is listing all these cursings that will come if they don't do the things that he is He's asked of them. There's a, there is a covenant he's making with them to be his people. And he says, if you do these things, you will be my people. If you reject these things, well, there's cursings that come upon you. And you won't have the blessings that, uh, that I desire for you. And it's an it's a interesting, you, as, as they, they go through that. Now, what brought me to this was something that I have, I read um, actually at the beginning of COVID um, and then re- it was revisited in recently because there was a finding that unfortunately most people are completely unaware of and it was on Mount Ebal and it was an archaeological discovery um, that was on Mount Ebal. In fact, the, the first discovery on Mount Ebal was... Um, was the altar that Joshua built. And God had told um, Joshua, he told the children of Israel that they were to build an altar and, uh, and how to build it out of uh, the, the, the stone and it would be covered with lime and limestone and it would, have, it would be um, kind of a, a white coating on it. And it was to be on Mount Ebal. And in fact, that was found in 1990. And, but, um, but it was disputed whether, whether it was truly um, Joshua's altar until something happened in, uh, in 2019, just a couple years ago. And there was a discovery of a small... Um, lead inscription that has really turned the archaeological world upside down. It's really causing a lot of problems. And the reason it's causing a lot of problems is not only does it verify that the altar that is built on Mount Ebal was in fact Joshua's altar that was built there, but it also um, gives, full, gives credibility or tears down the idea that liberal um, scholars have held onto for a long time. They believe that Moses, they, they, they tout that Moses could not have authored the, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, that, that Moses could not have written that. Because there was no language, Hebrew language, there's no evidence that the Hebrews had written language back at the time that Moses was there to, to, to author it. And, and this is highly touted. There's no evidence. Well, it doesn't mean there was evidence against it. They just didn't have evidence of it. In other words, no evidence that there was a written language that the Hebrews would use. In fact, it was a language that would be used by others in that area, the Canaanites and so forth. Um, but, but, the, um, but there was no evidence that, that there was ever a written language at that point. And they said, well, there was no Hebrew written language till 400, some say up to 400 years after Moses, so there's just no way that he had, could have done it. Now, if you discredit that, then you're discrediting Jesus, because Jesus said Moses wrote the Pentateuch, right? He quoted, as Moses said, he would say that over and over again. So Jesus said it, so you're discrediting Jesus, you're discrediting the scriptures, what the Bible says about, who what was the author, and all of that you're discrediting because you just said they didn't have any language. Well, that has been 
really to turn to art turn the, uh, the secular or atheistic archaeological world upside down. Because what was found is, um, is this um, tablet. And uh, let, let's go to, uh, let me show you a couple of uh, just the, um, th this one here is where they found. On the top, M Mount Ebal, they found this altar. And uh, there's an outside altar then there's an inside altar, but if you look um, just to the the right of the man who's uh, standing there, there's a looks like a you can see kind of a hole right there. That is a round altar that dates back to um, well to the the time of Joshua. It dates back to 1406. Look at the next uh, slide, and you can see from the top that same area, and you can see that where that circle is, that is where they found the altar to Joshua. But, but then they said, well, we don't know, you know, the dating of this is, uh, you know, there's, it could, they, they considered it not possibly to be the altar of, of Joshua until they found, and I'll show you the kind of a picture. It isn't really, uh, uh, it's just, uh, what, what they found was a, a lead, uh, tablet, and they used to write. Obviously, if you're going to have something last 3,500 years, um, well, there's some challenges with that. Something lasting that long, and there are some things to do. On it's people have written on stone tablets, and the stone will last, but even those deteriorate. People, um, you know, write on papyrus and we weed. Uh, they, they, there's. The, they have these different ways in which they write on things, but mostly over a period of time, three or 500 years, they dis disintegrate. Well, they had a way of writing. In fact, the Greeks actually, they found tablets in, uh, the, that the Greeks had done, same thing. It's a lead tablet, and they used iron to scratch in it. And they found this on that same Mount Hill, right there, right next to the, right, right next to the altar. And that tablet dates back to between 1500 and 1400 BC. It dates back to the time of Joshua, which means Moses. Obviously, Joshua followed Moses. Moses had all, the, they wrote the language. But the interesting thing about this and what was different, because they have found other lead tablets in other places, is this had the name of God on it that the Jews only pronounced. And it had the name God and, and the name of God, which is Yahweh or Yahshua, um, which uh, is the, 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 uh, how it's pronounced is debated. But the point is, you can trust this book even when it's this big, right? <laughs> So there are archaeologists who have egg on their face. And, uh, and, and it goes back to this blessing and cursing time when, when God had called them up. And, and this, this tablet, um, it's, it's ominous in the way that, in what's written on it. Um, it's the earliest Hebrew writing uh, that we have. Uh, God's name is on it. And... Uh, and and there is, um, actually they used a scan. It, what it is, is it was folded, and they tried to separate and couldn't do it. And this is why it took so long, the two years. Because of COVID, they couldn't get the scan done. Um, I think, I can't remember where it was uh, done. I think it was in, in Switzerland or some, along, somewhere in, in that area where they have this scan that they could actually scan it and see in the middle of that lead tablet, what the inscription on the inside was. And, um, and when they did, this is what they found. It says this. Um, curse, 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 curse by the God Yahweh. You will be cursed, curse. You will surely die. Curse by Yahweh, curse, curse, curse. Oh, man. Who wants that? In all probability, this was probably self-binding. This was somebody writing 
to themselves that if they would fail to obey what God had said, there would be a curse upon them. And maybe, I don't know if they carried it as a reminder to tell them, you better not go away from what God has called us to do. You better be careful about what you, you would do. And, um, and so they would write about the curse. Now, the word curse means to be, in this context, means to be cut off from God. But it has other ramifications to it. And, and, the, and, and when you read what the scripture says about the curse, you realize, in fact, God talks about the curse. Even in the New Testament, the Bible talks about the curse. And the reason it talks about the curse is because the curse is a real thing. You see? And uh, the, the book of Galatians says that Jesus broke the curse for us. Okay? And we'll talk a minute in a minute about that. But the point is, there's, if there is no such thing as a curse, then, then why does the scripture say that Christ broke the curse? That there actually is such a thing as a curse. In fact, um, the idea or the concept of a curse could come from individuals. That individuals who have spiritual authority can curse. And it doesn't necessarily mean that they're godly people who are bringing curses. Curse comes even to you know, comes through ungodly people. And, uh, and, and a lot of places in the world today, they fully understand, they believe it. In fact, when Ted Albrook was here and he talked about the woman whose family was cursed um, and what it caused and what it took to break that curse in that family, that was a powerful time for us to, to see in, in many places that the curse is used intentionally. It is still used intentionally, even in our world, even in the United States. There are people who believe in the curses and curse people. But the greatest curse here is one that God is pronouncing, and it's the curse that comes from the lifting of God's blessing and, and presence and favor on an individual. And, and, and actually more than that, on a nation. He says, this is, this is a people who God has, has said, I'll be in covenant with you. I will bless you like no other people that have walked on this earth. I'll bless you. And you will have, and, and, and all these good things, and he lists all these wonderful things of God's blessing upon them. They'll be the head and not the tail. They'll be fruitful that, you know, that when they plant their, 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 you know, their crops, it's just going to be, they'll be double blessing and everything around them, their families will be blessed and protected and the enemy that comes against them will be cursed. And all of this has come as, uh, as God has said, you're going to be my people. But then he says to them, if you if you reject me, if you start following other gods, if you start to serve them, if you start to, you know, uh, disobey my commands to you, well, the curse will come. And, and when God says you'll be cursed, it's because the curse is when you're not blessed. You see, the curse is when you're not blessed. And the curse comes upon, and in this case, it was a people, a, a group of people. It was the nation of Israel, right? And so I want us to, to take a look at, and I'm going to share with you some really important uh, stories and stuff. I think, I think some of you are going to recognize things in your own life right today, and it can be absolutely, absolutely life-changing. Um, so in chapter 28 and verse 1, I'm going to go there. It says, now it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you... Obey the voice, look at because, here, here's, here's how he says, this is why the blessing, because you obey the voice of the Lord your God, because, because you 
obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the country. And he goes on, and we're not going to read all the blessings. It would just take too much. Uh, We just don't have time for that. But then uh, in verse 15, he makes this statement. But it shall come to pass, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God, and observe carefully all his commands and his statutes, which I command you today, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. Cursed shall you be in the city. Cursed shall you be in the country. Cursed shall you be in the basket of your kneading bowl. Cursed shall you be in the fruit of your body and the produce of your land um, and, and the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flock. And so it's kind of to summarize this. When he talks about being blessed, blessing means exaltation, Reproduction, um, both uh, both physical reproduction in other areas of your life, prosperity, victory, God's favor, you know, above and not beneath, he says. You're going to be above and not beneath in, in God's, God's favor in your life. And the curse means humiliation, failure to reproduce, sickness, broken relationships, poverty, defeat, God's disfavor on your life. So those are the two things that, in, in, that he offers, and, and he talks about the curse, and, uh, and then in, in, in go, go to Deuteronomy chapter 5, and verse 8 on this, it says, you shall not make for yourself carved image any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or in earth beneath that or that is in the water under the earth, you shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. Now, what is he saying? He's saying that there, this curse, if you would, that comes upon, comes upon not just the individual, but it actually becomes part of the individual's offspring. It's, it's, it's the, the, there's a family curse that comes from generation to generation. Now, let me repeat what I said a curse is in this sense. It's the absence of God's blessing. Okay, it's the absence of God's blessing is what the curse is. And he says, this will pass on from generation to generation. So there's individual um, blessing and cursing, but there is group. In fact, the one that we read from Mount Ebal is a national one. I mean, it's the whole nation. The, the nation's either blessed or cursed or in the process of, of going from blessing to cursing. Okay? In that. The whole nation. But there is also this spiritual headship of leadership that, that in a family, it happens from generations passing. So, you, you know, the, the offspring of Cain was cursed and the offspring of Seth was blessed. And there is a, there is this, I was talking to someone recently, just say it this way. He was talking about a family pattern that has been in his family from, for several generations. And from one generation to the other, there was, there, was a sex, there was a sin that was part of their family tree. Um, we know of families we've seen where an individual maybe uh, you have an alcoholic in the household or several and then that that seems like the family continues on now it isn't that that can't be broken and so, and sometimes even in natural there are certain things that are broken but what i want you to see is that these blessings and cursings come in they, they're, they're not just for individuals because what I want to show you is also God has a, made a way of breaking it, the curse. How to bro- come into blessing in, in Jesus' name. And so um, going to Deuteronomy 30, now we're going to 
be in there, be uh, in verse 1. He says this, and this is looking forward. He's already in chapter 28 given the blessings and cursing. And now in 30, he's he's talking about the, to them about when they get back, they get in the, under the curse, when they have disobeyed God. He says, now it shall come to pass when all these things come upon you. Whoa. What is God saying? He's looking down the road and he says, this is going to come upon you. He's telling children of Israel, you're going to go down this road. Because I know you. I know your heart. I know that, you know, it won't be long until you'll forget. And it won't be long until the blessings that come to you will not be accredited to me. They'll be accredited to your achievements and you'll look at other gods and and be enticed by them by foreigners who bring their gods and say their gods will do these things and this for you and you'll follow after them because of your flesh she says when all these things come upon you the blessing and the curse which i have set before you 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 and you call them to mind you, you remember among all the nations where the Lord your God drives you. See, he's talking about, this is what he says is going to happen. If, you, disobe- if you, you turn to other gods, you, you turn away from me, you're going to be driven from the land. You're going to be away the, from the blessing. You're going to be in this. And because of that, when this happens, he says, and you return. Listen to these words because I passed over this so many times. I've never, it never caught me like this. He says, and you return to the Lord your God. In other words, he's saying this, I'm still the Lord your God. When you've been driven away and you've, been, you've, you've disobeyed me and you've dishonored me and you've turned to other gods, he says, I still see myself as the Lord your God. I am the Lord your God. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not, not the Lord your God anymore. But when you turn back to the Lord your God, will bring you back from captivity and have compassion on you and gather you again from all the nations where the Lord your God has scattered you. And you know, if you look at all the times, he says the Lord your God um, here. If any of you are driven out of the farthest parts unto hep, uh, under heaven, from there the Lord your God will gather you from there he will bring you, then the Lord your God will bring you to the land which your fathers possessed, and you shall possess it, and he will possess you and multiply you more than your, your fathers. And the Lord your God will uh, circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and that you may live. So what God says is when you come to that place and you call to mind, right, there's something trans- transformative that starts to happen. You, you start to recognize something. And then there's a, a bringing back to the land. I'm going to tell, tell you a story. It's my story. And I was sharing with someone that this week and my conversation ended up going there and it reminded me and I thought I would share it this morning. My family, my, my family, I mean, like every family, we all have our family issues and family problems and I, you know, I'm, I, I was grateful with two wonderful parents but um, our family story is one of um, family brokenness. I mean, uh, disintegration, uh, divorce, and, uh, and family breakup. And, uh, and it, it was caused, especially on my mother's side, the men in the, in, in, in the family tree, the men in the family line, um, were adulterous. They, they, they were adulterers, they, they, and uh, they um, broke up the family because of their um, their sin, and uh, it was it kind of a, a storyline. Okay, now I'm the firstborn in 
you know, under my mom's, you know, on, on this side, um, I'm the oldest, and, uh, and I'm in that family line, and so are my brothers um, along this line, and this has been a pattern, you know, uh, leaving, leaving the family, sexual sin, and breaking up the family. And for my grandfather, my mother, um, when she was uh, young, um, she was, uh, I think she was uh, in high school at the time, just, and her, her dad, my mom, my grandmother had gone, left town, was gone with, with, um, with the, the, their two girls, my mom, my aunt, and uh, my grandfather was home by by himself, and, uh, and the next door neighbor lady and him got together, and uh, and it became the end of uh, their marriage. My and uh, and he ended up marrying her and actually starting a whole new family. Left my fam- my 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 mom and her aunt and uh, my aunt and the family. So it was a story. Now part of the story, and I've shared this story before. Um, the the woman who did it, and I share it just because you, you understand it in this context, that um, she was uh, a Jewish redhead that attracted my, my, uh, my, my grandfather. Now, it's not, um, the ethnicity is, I love Jews, so it's not an issue that way, but I, it's part of the story. So that family line has been, you know, just kind of the way it's worked. And so now, um, I'm married, Carol and I, and we've got a couple of kids. And Carol, um, at this point, and, and Carol uh, goes up to meet, be with, um, I think it was her brother. She was out of town. I think it was in Washington. She went and visited. And I'm home um, by, by myself. And I and this morning, so I go out to, to empty out the trash. And when I go out to empty out the trash, there's a, our next-door neighbor, the lady, she comes out. And when she comes out, she's um, wearing her, night, her nightgown. I mean, she's not fully dressed. And, uh, and she starts conversation with me that was uncomfortable. And, um, and so... Um, thankfully, at that point, I just kind of turned and I went back into the house. Th- this lady, I forgot to t- say, is um, she's a red-headed Jewish lady. That was our next-door neighbor. And when I went back, I felt dirty. And I knelt down next to, uh, you know, next to, to the couch there. And I knelt down and I began to pray. And I felt this wave of the work of the Holy Spirit come upon me that was so, everything went back through my mind of the fact that my family has had this curse, if you would, this, this pattern in our lives that has brought devastation down through from generation to generation. And as I was there, I see, I never, I didn't understand this principle at all. All I knew was that I felt like I had to repent for something I hadn't even done. Now, I have since studied on and learned a lot more about Um, identification repentance. It's a biblical principle in the Bible. It's what Daniel did. It's what Nehemiah did when they were getting ready to go back into the land and they prayed in identification with the, the nation. Even though they themselves had not done, they hadn't rebelled against God. They had served God. Daniel was a, a, a godly young man, but he prayed, Lord, forgive us for what we have done. He identified with the sin of his family, of his nation. And, and I've learned that principle, but at the time, I didn't know that. But the Holy Spirit led me in it anyhow. 
And what I started to do was I started to repent, identifying with my family for sins I ha hadn't d done myself, but some sins that I had done. And I went down the line of things where I had said to God, forgive us. And I remember praying and everything, that, I mean, this was a lengthy time of prayer as I was sitting before the Lord and the Lord was giving me insight into things that I needed to identify and break something in my family. And some of it was, had to do with, um, you know, not just the sexual sin that was done, but, but everything. I mean, the way we've misused the Lord's name. I, I had family, I mean, it would be nothing for us to be together with family, and the, the name of the Lord would be cursed. That, you know, it'd, they'd, be, they'd be, you know, damning the name of God all the time, and that kind of stuff. And, and, uh, and just the idolatry and the way that we lived our life and the, the sin that was just permeated through our family. And I wouldn't say we were, you know, we, we had our issues, but what God was doing is he was helping me go through the list of things that we had done, and I was able to, as a representative of my family, ask God for forgiveness for what our family had done. And something broke. I can only tell you there was something of a freedom that I had never experienced in my life at that moment. I felt, I felt like free and clean, kind of like the first time when I accepted Christ and had the freedom that comes in Jesus. There was something else breaking because when I came to Jesus, I was instantly forgiven of every sin I had ever committed. But now I was taking a place. I was a representative of a larger group that had been under a curse because of the way that we had lived our lives as a family and I want and I believe that some of you are experiencing some of the residue of curse because your family you're still part of family you're an individual child of God if you've accepted Christ it isn't that God is holding you personally responsible for everything, but the family unit is still under a curse. It's still under the bondage. It's never, if especially if it has not had any kind of, you know, breakthrough in this and breaking the patterns and breaking those things. And I can't tell you actually what to do, or even that you have to do what I did. But I should tell you that if the Holy Spirit leads you in this, that maybe you ought to take heed to that. You, maybe you ought to, to take advantage of the opportunity as a representative of your family to ask God for forgiveness. And you're covering. Can, does, do, do, you know, you, you, the, you, can't, you can't cause forgiveness for individuals in their sin, but you can be a representative of your entire family. And maybe the Lord would lead you in something that would cause the family to go into a place of blessing instead of living out generational curse. And consider, because what God says to them, and this, this is where, this is what, what happened in, in my sequence, and I just put some R's in front of it. I, I recognized. That was something the Lord, I think, you know, the, the grace was, I knew what happened to my grandfather, and this lady who kind of reminded me of the woman who my grandfather gave up his family for made me start to recognize some kind of connection in what was going on in my family. And that was the gift from God to me, I believe. But I, started, I recognized that this is something that our family has done that has been offensive to God. And then I, I decided to identify, to repent to repent 
I didn't go down that road, but I was a representative and I could repent for what we had done. And I wanted to break that for now and for the future. I renounce that in the name of Jesus. That's the third thing. I renounce it. And I, then I determined by God's grace, I would resist it in every way that I possibly could. And, and decisions being made that, that I would live my life, knowing that this is a pattern in our past, that I would live my life in ways in which I could um, keep myself from, um, from being tempted in those areas, not walking down the road, you know, lead me not into temptation kind of thing as we pray, but not just pray, but live. I'm not going to live my life in places that I know that it's, it's impossible if you're determined to do something, but if you're determined not to do something, it's good to find ways in which you don't get in situations where there can be, you know, easily you can be easily manipulated by the, the enemy. And we've made decisions in our own life, Carolina, in our marriage. I have never been, I never go, um, like if, if, if I'm meeting with a, a woman for counseling, whatever, there's always an open door and someone outside the door right there. I never go to lunch, you know, and I know some of you are in work situations where that, that has to happen. If I was in that situation, I would never drive with them to lunch. I would always meet them. There was things that we made decisions on in the way that we live out our life so that we um, are not led into temptation. And, and not that, you know, we have a very wonderful marriage. I think an enviable marriage. We we, Carol and I, and our, our love and relationship with each other. And yet, still, um, I know the pride of my family. I know, the, I know my own pride where I can, in fact, say, oh, I'm fine. I'm pretty strong. I'm, I'm just, you know, devil's not going to be able to get me. You know, not somebody as wonderful and holy and strong as I am. <laughs> So you make decisions, right, in, in the process. But you recognize and you repent and you renounce and you resist. And you understand that freedom that Jesus does give you from the curse of the law. Um, this scripture should always kind of come into play in our lives. as in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law having become a curse for us, as it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs in the tree. And th this is what the scripture is saying. Listen, we're the, the law, which the law that brings death, if you are only trying to find salvation in the law, is that is a curse. That the blessing of Abraham might, might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. See, what this is talking about is Jesus free. Jesus free. You know, there's freedom, and then there's Jesus free. There's American freedom, but then there's Jesus free. It's a whole different level of freedom that God gives us. And so he redeems us, and there's other scriptures down the road. But and I'm going to kind of close with this. In Deuteronomy chapter... 30 and verse 19, it says, I call heaven and earth as witness today against you. So God is saying, listen, I'm, 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 you know, I'm laying out these things before you, blessing and cursing. He says, I call heaven and earth as witness today against you that I have set before you life and death. Right? What one's life? Blessing. What one's death? Cursing. I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, let me give you a hint on this one. Let me give, therefore, let me give you a hint. Choose life. It's the better way to go. Choose life. Choose life, folks. Choose life that both you and your descendants may live. I, I'm hoping that what this isn't doing is saying, listen, 
as a follower of Jesus, he cleanses us from all our sin. Do you understand? It's not about, this is not an individual thing. Jesus cleanses us. Now, let me tell you, if you walk in sin, you, 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 you separate yourself. If you are, un, I'm, I should say it this way, if you walk in unrepentant sin, all of us will sin at some point. We sin, right? And we don't have to say how much. I heard people say, I sin every minute. You know, and I say, I want to say, hey, stop it. You know, <laughs> it's ridiculous. <clears throat> we sin, but we, are, we listen, we, we are quick not just to say I'm sorry, but quick to repent. That means turn the other way. We're quick to go, Lord, I, it breaks my heart that I have failed. I turn to you. I fall on my face before you. God, forgive me. Help me. Strengthen me. I want to live for you all the days of my life. Now, some of the patterns of your family curse has you've experienced. And some of you are experiencing it even now. And the, the, the consequences of, of those things in our life um, are a myriad. I mean, not only from sin, but to patterns of brokenness. Listen, the curse, the curse brought upon people and brings upon, upon people. Um, just uh, if, if you, if you want to list those things that the that the curse does, uh, humiliation, failure to reproduce, sickness, broken relationships, poverty, defeat, disfavor. It, it's patterns of this. The curse brings patterns. I mean, you can be a, a follower of Christ and still have some of these things in your life. But these are, if you're having patterns of these things in your life, then maybe there needs to be something broken. Because I don't think that that goes along, that that fits the life that's blessed. I'm, I'm not saying you can't get sick, and just because you got sick, you're now under the curse. I'm saying the patterns that go on and on in your life, you see. Broken relationships over and over and over again. Some of that just needs to be broken in Jesus' name. And he's the one to do it. He redeems us in every way. So, can we just stop and pray? And uh, some of you, um, maybe the starting point for you today is if you've never given your life to Jesus, that's where you start. Because the blood of Jesus cleanses you from all your sin. And you make a decision to say, Jesus, cleanse me. But then maybe if you've already done that, if you've already accepted Christ as your Savior and put your faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that now maybe what is happening, if the Holy Spirit is touching your heart on this, maybe this is a time when you can do a, a little bit of standing in the gap and being the person that, and identifying with family patterns if it's never been broken before, if it's never been repented of before. And it could be a prayer that just is something like this. If you just want to, like, bow your heads right now, and uh, some of you might want to just whisper. You don't have to shout this out. You don't have to say it loud. But maybe just under your breath, you could just whisper, Lord, forgive us. Lord, forgive me for, Lord, things I've allowed in my life, but forgive, forgive my family. Forgive us. I identify with us. And I ask you to forgive us. And maybe there's a list of things that need to be whispered to God. Or maybe this is just the start of it. Maybe kneeling down, you know, at your bedside. At a place where you're alone with God and you can just lift this up before God in a comfortable environment where you don't feel anything hindering you and you can say, Lord, forgive us. Forgive us for the deception. Forgive us for lying. Forgive us for the way we've used your name in vain. Forgive us, Lord, for our covetousness and our selfishness and our 
you know, Lord, forgive us of our sexual sins that, Lord, have been a pattern in our life. For God, forgive us for the hate that has permeated. Forgive us for the way we've, and you might go down the list. Maybe family members that you recall who have brought a curse on the family maybe because of the lifestyle and the way they've done it. You're just being a representative of the family. You know, forgive us for Uncle Joe who, you know, Uncle Jim who, or, you know, did this and, and hurt this person and caused this. And forgive us for Aunt Sally who broke up the family and her family and the consequences that happened from, you know, uncles and aunts and all of that down the road. Oh, God. Forgive us, oh, God. Bring your blessing upon our family. Bring your blessing.
Yeah, must have been her, must have been her gain adjustments. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> something something changed. <laughs> 